15, 13 reminds us, now may the God of our hope fill you, with all, fill you all with joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for the blessings we have in you and for the hope that we have in you. Father, during this Christmas season, I pray that one of the blessings that we, that we uh, gr try to grasp in our lives is hope and peace. Lord, we're here today to celebrate Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. good morning. Good to see everybody. Somebody turned on the air conditioning outside, and I don't like that. <laughs> glad we have heat in here. We are here, to pray, uh, we are here to worship the Lord together. We're glad that you've chosen to do that with us. Please make sure you fill out your connection card this morning, and if you're following us online, you'll see instructions along the bottom of the screen for that. Just before we start doing a little bit of a greeting time, just be a little bit aware that COVID is out there again, and uh, so just take precautions as you... Uh, Say hi to people and try to talk to somebody you haven't spoken to this morning.
Well, it's pretty obvious we're, uh, we're kind of in the middle of Christmas season, and Christmas season is supposed to be a time of joy and a time of peace, although when you look at the world around you, I don't know if you see a lot of that. Even for Christians, you know, sometimes we're busy, you know, church schedule, man, there's a lot of stuff going on in December. And sometimes we get to running and running and running and running and running and running and we just like, then when the season's over, it's like, oh, we missed it. We missed it. But I am thankful that when I look at the world around me, that I see no wars, no hatred, no sorrow, no pain, and no anger. Isn't that great? <laughs> okay, well, maybe the world's not quite like that. Even during Christmas, even, even during Christmas, it doesn't change. When we look back at Isaiah chapter 40 and verses 1 through 5 last week, we learned that the nation of Israel was far from experiencing peace. They were moving in and out of captivity because of the sins of the nation. Through the prophet Isaiah, though, God offered a message of hope. And I wanna, we'll go ahead and just read that again just, for, uh, just to kind of spark our memories a bit. It says this, Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and tell her that her time of warfare is over, that her punishment is completed. For the Lord has made her pay double for all of her sins. 
A voice cries out in the wilderness, clear a way for the Lord, build a level road through the rift of the valley for our God. Every valley must be elevated, every mountain and hill leveled. The rough terrain will become, like, will become a level plain and rugged landscape, a wide valley. The splendor of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it at the, at the same time for the Lord is decreed it. When you think about life, when are you looking for comfort? You need comfort when you're sad, you're depressed, life's kind of got you down, or maybe you're in a lot of physical pain. Remember when we were children, one of the things that most of us would do is we would cry out when we'd hurt ourselves, and we would hold on to what hurt, and we'd run into our parents' arms, and they'd say, oh, I'll kiss the boo-boo or whatever. You know, they're there to comfort us. That parent probably brought you comfort. When you were in pain, you were in pain, excuse me, but their love comforted you in that pain. You still hurt, but you felt like, you know what, somebody's here with me to commiserate with me. When we look at the issue of comfort, one of the things that we need to understand is being comforted leads to the second, what we're dealing with in the second week of Advent, and that is peace. If you're not comfort, comforted, you're not going to have peace. When you look at the world around you, it's evident that we don't see peace. And we don't see it because you know what's going on? The world is full of hurt and broken people. Because where they are in life, they can't experience true peace. Isaiah chapter 40 is located right after the judgment God prescribed to God in chapter 39. God's people were to be judged. They were going to be conquered by the Babylonians. They will be hurt physically, they will be hurt emotionally, they will be hurt generationally and spiritually. But one of the most important aspects of Isaiah 40 is the call for comfort. When he begins that passage, he says, comfort, comfort my people. This is what God says. However, the context of Isaiah goes far beyond the comfort of the Israelites and reveals a comfort that God wants to bring to the world through the chosen Messiah. That's the real big picture of this passage. Now, over 700 years later, after Isaiah wrote this, something was about to change in the world. It's around 6 BC, and a game-changing event was about to take place. Luke 2.14 is a well-known Bible verse that's part of the account of the birth of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. But to understand the historical context of the verse, it's very crucial for us to consider the broader historical and religious background of the time. At the time of Jesus' birth, in the region of Judea, where Bethlehem is located, it was under Roman rule. The Roman Empire had conquered various territories, including Judea, and imposed its authority over the Jewish people. So that's part of the context. The other part of the context is the Jewish people's expectations. They had a long history of waiting for the Messiah, a promised deliverer, deliverer who would liberate them from foreign oppression and establish God's kingdom on earth. This expectation was rooted in the religious scriptures, particularly the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. And then on top of that, the third part of the context is a messianic hope. The Jews at that time believed that the Messiah would come as a political and a military leader, overthrowing Roman rule and reestablishing the Jewish kingdom. This expectation of a powerful Messiah was prevalent during the time of the birth of Jesus. It almost reached a fervor. The people had just had enough. In the historical context, Luke chapter 2, verse 14, even gives us more significance in its meaning. 
This part of the verse is the angelic announcement to the shepherds in Bethlehem, proclaiming the birth of Jesus. The angels declared glory to God in the highest heaven, acknowledging the divine significance of Jesus' birth. In the second part of the verse, and he said, it says, and on peace, excuse me, on earth peace to whom those God's favor rest. This carries a message of hope and a message of peace. It's important to note that the peace mentioned here is not primarily, primarily political or social peace, but it's rather a spiritual peace. The people during the time of Jesus, they were looking for the wrong thing. They were looking for political and military deliverance, and, and we really need to be cautioned in our own lives. That's not what Messiah is about. It's not about who wins the presidency or who wins this or who wins that. It's about Jesus. It's about that spiritual peace that we can have. When Jesus talks about the peace that surpasses all understanding, he's not talking about who's running what, other than the fact that he is Lord. And when that is true in your life, you will experience peace. The birth of Jesus is seen in the fulfillment of God's promise to send a Savior who would bring peace between God and humanity. Luke's gospel emphasizes that Jesus came to bring salvation and reconciliation between God and his people rather than a political revolution. This, ver this verse excuse me, reflects the broader message of Jesus' ministry, which is focused on spiritual transformation and the establishment of God's kingdom in the hearts of individuals. Today we're going to dive together into Luke chapter 2, verse 14. The big idea to the message this morning is this. God wants to comfort us, to bring peace to our, our hurting hearts <clears throat> and those who are hurting in the world through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So let's turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 14. That's where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. It says this. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. <clears throat> if you're going to experience the peace that God wants you to have, there are three things we're going to look at from this passage this morning. The first one is this. We have to be at peace with who God is. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 14, the angel declares glory to God on the highest. This phrase reminds us that our ultimate purpose is to glorify God. God. There, why is there so much hurt and so much pain and so much ugliness in the world? Why can we come up? We can come up with many reasons for it, but there's a root cause to all of them. No matter what reasons you lay out, there is a root cause to all of those problems, and that root cause is that we're not at peace with who God is. We don't have peace about that. In your life, who do you seek to glorify with your life? When we sin, we wage war against God. We shift the glory that rightfully belongs to him toward ourselves or toward creation. Romans 1.25 speaks of this where it talks about ex exchanging the truth of God for a lie. Where Paul writes, speaking of people, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creation rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And what, we, what ends up happening is when we aren't at peace with who God is, I believe we are designed to, to, to want to worship God. I think it's evident because all pretty much, I, there could be an exception, but pretty much all nations, all peoples 
are seeking that. Now, what are you worshiping? That's the question. But we have this desire to do this. We have this innate desire to worship. And when you think of people saying, well, you evolved from monkeys and we just all, everything's evolution. Well, what is the purpose of worship and evolution? When you think about it, that doesn't really, it doesn't serve any purpose if you're going to look at it just in that light. And so what we have here is that when we aren't comfortable at peace with who God is, it messes everything up. Glory is an attribute of God's divine nature. Glorifying God means that we honor and we praise his splendor. We acknowledge him as the source of all things. Losing sight of who God is leads us to misalign our priorities, and it gives us a distorted view on life because instead of bringing glory to God, we think that's an attribute that belongs to us, and we start living in such a way that says, glorify me, glorify me, and all my decisions become about that unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. So as long as we reject God or think that we can figure out a way to save ourselves, we will never be at peace with who God is because we're trying to replace God who is irreplaceable. And I believe when we try to do that, there's a hole within us. God has a solution to restore a broken relationship with him. It began with the birth of Jesus because he sent Jesus so that we can be reconciled to God. We will never find peace with who he is unless we humble accept his grace and acknowledge our need for him. Attempting to save ourselves, rejecting God's redemption is futile, resulting in frustration and dissatisfaction. It results in living a life that really doesn't have purpose or it doesn't have the right purpose. If the purpose of my life is me, my priorities are misaligned because I'm not comfortable. I'm not at peace with who God is. True peace and fulfillment comes to us when we surrender our lives to God. When we glorify him, when we align our priorities with his will instead of trying to bend his will to my will. Who do you seek to glorify? Are we at peace with who God is? See, being at peace with who God is allows us to humbly submit to his plan, accept his grace, and find true peace through glorifying him in all aspects of our life. When the angels sang glory to God in the highest, this denotes that God's glory exists in the highest realm of heaven, and therefore it is to exist everywhere. Until I was willing to submit my life to Jesus, I did not experience comfort and peace in my life. There was always something missing, and we're always trying to fill that. It's almost like having a craving. And if you're craving, uh, I don't know, chocolate chip cookies or cake pops, I know somebody here makes some wicked cake pops, I heard. But, uh, and, but then somebody says, hey, I got some green beans for you and some spinach. Hey, I'm not against those things, but not when I want my cake pops, okay? And I can eat all the green beans and spinach you can feed me, but I'm, I'm still going to be hunting down some cake pops or some ice cream or something that really looks good on my waist. And... And that's what we do. We, we fill the life with everything we, but what needs to be filled because we are not comfortable with allowing God to be glorified. Anytime I cannot experience the gift of peace and the gift of comfort and gift of peace, it happens when I fail to give glory to God because I am trying to be who I am not. 
I am trying to, to do what I can't do. I'm trying to take over what I shouldn't be trying to take over. I cease giving glory to God when I decide to make my own plans and follow my own, my own ways. Because now I'm no longer glorifying God, it's about me. I cease giving glory to God when I take the role of God in my life instead of trusting and letting God be God. I cease giving him glory. The shepherds were about to see the greatest thing you could probably ever see. They were going to witness the birth of the Messiah. It's an interesting note that not all were going to be joyous over this great occasion. You know, eventually Herod would seek to kill Jesus. Why? Why would a king give a rip about a little baby? You know why? Because Herod wasn't comfortable with who God is. Herod tried to take the place of God. Herod probably thought he was God, and Herod just cared about Herod's glory and Herod's ways and Herod's will. Huh. In our society, people are doing all they can to kill Jesus. If you want to make somebody uncomfortable, if you want to make them mad, start talking about Jesus. People today and, during, and, and in all times are not at peace with who God is. They aren't at peace with the God in heaven who loves them. People have a tendency to want to be their own God. They don't want to be accountable to anyone or anything. And once you start to realize that you're created in the image of God, now you have to understand that you have an obligation to that God. And most people don't want that. They're not comfortable with it because they want the perception that they're in control, the perception that they're in charge, the perception that it all rolls around them. But see, comfort and peace in your life begins when you're at peace with who God is. It's amazing that you can go talk to people about the Easter Bunny. You can probably talk to them about Muhammad. You can talk to them about a lot of things and it doesn't strike a nerve. They may think you're silly, but when you start talking to people about Jesus, many times people get upset. Why? Why? Why would it bother? And, and if they really believe it's a fairy tale, why don't they just let it go like they do if you talk about, about other things? that are fairy tales. I have to be careful. I forgot we have youngsters in the room. Um, why aren't we, why aren't they just saying, eh, whatever. You can talk to me about some of those things, other, those other fairy tales. Well, I don't care. I might think, well, if you're an adult and you believe that, okay, well, more power to you. But people aren't at peace with who God is. They don't like it. And I tell you what, <clears throat> they're never going to enjoy peace because they're trying to be and do what they can't do and who they aren't. Let's look at verse 14 again. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. The second area of our life, if we're going to experience peace and comfort, we also have to be at peace at what, with why we are here. Why we are here. The angels proclaimed, on, on, and on earth, peace among people. Well, this declaration reminds us that God sent Jesus to bring peace. But this peace won't be realized until people give their lives to him. The message of God's glory is not confined to the highest places in heaven. 
It extends to the earth where we find our purpose and our meaning. The word peace signifies a state of tranquility and harmony and a well-being that comes from God and surpasses human understanding. Remember Jesus and the peace that surpasses all understanding. If you try to put it into words, you just can't. Even when you're trying to, when you're experiencing it, it's so hard to say, okay, here's what it is. But when you have it, you know you have it. Through the birth of Jesus, who was called, by the way, the Prince of Peace, this divine peace that surpasses all understanding becomes accessible to us. How can a person be at peace when everything around them seems to go, be going crazy? Regardless of the, 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 the divisions that we create as humans, whether they be racial, socioeconomic, or cultural, Jesus can restore harmony and can bring reconciliation. What's that mean for us? Well, as Christians, we find peace knowing that our time on this earth is temporary. Therefore, our purpose is different. Why am I here? I've always joked that, you know, I read something the other day, I think it's Honda said, they're gonna be carbon neutral by 20, whatever. I'm like, oh, whatever. That just means more carbon for me to burn for everybody. But, you know, I tell people, I said, I want to leave a big old carbon footprint that's got my name on it so generations can see I was here, you know. But in all seriousness, our, our journey on this life, our purpose isn't about anything but trying to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people and try to bring glory to God through doing that and to bring glory to God by the way we live life. It's not about how many hours I work, how big my bank account is. It's not about those things. Those things are part of life, but those aren't the focus and the purpose. Our task is to bring the peace of God through Jesus Christ to people. We need to take to Jesus to as many people as we possibly can because you know what? This place that we're at right now is temporary. We're not going to be here 200 years from now or 130 years from now. It's temporary. But many of us live life like this is the, the goal. This is the end. My wife, she always brings uh, sanity to my conversations, and I'm thankful for that. Yesterday, you know, I was following, I've been, I'm a baseball fan big time, and Shohei Otani signed a $700 million contract for 10 years. $70 million a year, and he can't even pitch next year. He's going through surgery, but he's, he's, he's good obviously. I mean, that's, I think it was six, the biggest contractor at that point was uh, Patrick Mahomes at 450 million. And my wife, of course, you know, I'm thinking, man, because I love baseball, I wish I could have played, you know, professionally, it would have been great. She's like, well, what if he doesn't have Jesus? He doesn't have anything. And, and like, and now for a moment, I'm like, yeah, but he's got $700 million. <laughs> but, but she's, but, but that's exactly right. If your focus is this life only, the $700 million, man, wow. Or a million dollars, wow. But when you realize it's temporary, and there's nothing wrong with having $700 million, you know, you can do a lot of things with that. But if that's what your life's about, you're missing it. You're not comfortable with why you're here. You're not at peace with why you're here. When you're at peace with why you're here, See, we have a unique role of making a difference in the lives of others. We have a unique opportunity to take those opportunities and bring the transformative power of Jesus Christ into their life. 
A lot of these people we write off in life, we tend to, oh, they've, they've been so bad so long they can't change. We are cheating them out of the opportunity. Now, we can't make them accept it, but boy, we should be able to show it to them the way we live and make it attractive, and we should be able to share it with them. You know, we talk a lot about, in, 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 as ministers, about churches that, that live and churches that die. And the common denominator behind every church that dies is they lose sight of why they're here. They lose sight about why they're here. We are here to grow in Christ and to bring others to Christ. And when we lose sight of that, we're, have, we're having a problem. We need to be at peace with our purpose, knowing why we're here. And you know, as I get a little bit older, it gets apparent to me that I have less road in front of me than I have behind me. <clears throat> and it makes you think about why am I here? What am I called to do? With the time we have on this earth, we have to dedicate ourselves to bringing God's peace to others and sharing the message of love, the message of hope, and the message of reconciliation that's found through Jesus. When I'm not at peace, when I'm not at peace with why I'm here, my life will not have a fulfilling purpose. And because of that, I will struggle to experience comfort and peace. When I was working with the company, I... <laughs> I knew God had called me, but I resisted it, and I was miserable a lot because I was trading the security. If I flipped burgers at McDonald's, I'd have left for ministry a long time ago. Nothing against McDonald's. They're supposedly going to actually make real hamburgers now. But anyway, but boy, when you have security, it's hard to let that go. And if you're focused on this life only, I'll never forget my dad says, you're never going to make any money. I said, well, God will take care of me. Because I finally got to a point where it's like, God will take care of me. I don't need a Fortune 500 company to give me security in life. Because my security comes from Christ. And when you change your focus in your life, when I was finally able to cut that string of, of where I was and and it was a blessing to me you know it's not it's, I was the, glad I could work there it helped me do a lot of things God provided <laughs> but when I was able to cut that string it just was like wow it's so different it's such a different life doing what you're called to do it brings you a lot of peace you know when you look at <clears throat> the world around you we see what's going on in Israel okay we see what's going on in Ukraine why are these things happening I mean, honestly, they are because of things that happened in the past. And people are so holding on to those that they don't have peace. They don't have peace with allowing God be God. They don't have peace with why they're here. And we'll look at the third area as we look at our passage one more time. Glory to God in the highest, and on, and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. The third thing that we have to be at peace with, if we're going to experience comfort and peace, is you've got to be at peace with who you are. See, in, in our passage, the angels declared peace is found with those whom he is pleased. Now think about that one for a minute. God wants everyone to experience peace. But the angel said that there's going to be peace on earth with those whom he is pleased. Now, this statement, when you think about it, emphasizes that true peace can only be experienced when we give our life to God through Jesus Christ. Because how do you please God? How do you please God in your life? Do you please him by giving a lot of money? Do you please him by 
giving everything you have away? Do you please him by being nice to people? Do you please him by not doing a certain bunch of stuff in your life and doing other things? No. Those are part of the relationship. But you're pleasing to God when you give your life to Jesus Christ and you strive to live life with that understanding. That, In other words, instead of saying, well, I'm a Christian and that means nothing, which for many it doesn't, when you call yourself a Christian, it means something. It's who you are. It's what you're about. He is what your life is about. And so when we do that, we're told that there's going to be peace. Why do people bring up, why do people act negatively when you bring Jesus, when you bring Jesus up? Part of the reason lies in the fact that it causes discomfort within them. See, the fairy tales out there, I, I feel no discomfort. Um, doesn't bother me. If you believe those things, that's okay. But for many people, you transition to Jesus and they're not comfortable because they're not at peace with who they are. Down deep, we recognize that something's not right within us. And discussions about Jesus confront us with the reality that we're really not at peace with him. When we, when we lack peace with Jesus, we can't find peace within ourselves. We will, this is one of the blessings about coming to Christ. It's this. Your sins are forgiven. God takes them away. You're given the presence of the Holy Spirit. But yet, many times, even as Christians, we're not at peace with who we are because we're trying to hold on to what we were. We're trying to be defined by who we were. And we allow Satan to come in. By the way, if you want to see a good movie, go see The Shift. It's really good. The way that dude played Satan was a little scary. He said, I wouldn't want to meet that guy in an alley. But the thing is, when we lack peace with Jesus, we can't find peace within ourselves because we're always letting everything else define who we are, tell us what we are, tell us that we're not worth it, that God doesn't love us, and we fight that battle because we're not comfortable with who we are in Christ. But once you find that comfort, the devil can't knock you off your tracks because you know who you are. You're at peace with who you are in Christ. You no longer care what the world thinks about you. You don't care what other people say about you because you're at, you're at peace with who you are. Many individuals struggle with this because they allow their past mistakes, they allow opinions with other, of others to find their sense of worth. I feel so sorry for a lot of young people today because this pressure to conform. It's amazing we're told, oh, you know, we're supposed to think for ourselves, but yet the world doesn't really want you to think for yourself. It just wants you to conform. And these poor young, these young people, these high schoolers and stuff, they are just being beat to death over how they should be, how they should look. I feel sorry for ladies, for females, because, man, the media tells you if you're not this way and you're not this way, and if you're starting to age, you know, we even had somebody make a comment about one of the presidential candidates. Well, you know, she's, she's in her 50s. She's past her prime. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Now, if that would have been, anyway, I won't go into that, the, the standards and double standards. But the fact of the matter is, when you are comfortable with who you are in Christ, you will be at peace. True peace can only be obtained through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not just calling yourself a Christian. It's almost like saying, I'm married, and then living like I'm not married. I'm not going to have any peace there. Might not live long either. <laughs> She's a good shot. <laughs> but see, you can have this peace with who you are because he offers forgiveness, restoration, transformation.
I've experienced those things in my life. Have you? Because if you really have, you'll let go of your past. If you really have, you won't be defined by your past. If you really have, you don't care what other people think about you. All you care about is what he thinks. And he loves you. When we surrender our lives to him, we discover our true identity as beloved children of his, accepted and valued just as we are. Jesus offers us an opportunity to find peace by embracing our true selves, free from the burden of guilt, shame, and social expectations. We are invited to find peace with the knowledge that we are loved, that we are forgiven, and that we can live a purposeful life because we're at peace with who he is. We're at peace with why we're here, and we're at peace with who we are. Most people want peace in their lives. I won't say all because there's some crazy people that like the chaos, but I think most people want peace in their lives, but the problem is they want it without Jesus. It won't happen. You won't have it. I don't care if you got $700 billion in your bank account, you won't know peace without Jesus. It doesn't work that way. The proclamation that the angels made made it clear that peace comes to those with whom God is pleased. And God is pleased with those who have given their lives to him through Jesus Christ. So let's encourage one another to let go of false identities imposed upon us and to find peace by embracing who we truly are in Christ. In Luke 15, 10, Jesus teaches that there's great joy among the angels of God when one sinner repents. This profound truth re reminds us of the immense significance of salvation and the ultimate purpose behind the good news to bring glory to God. The angels who exist in the presence of God understand the surpassing value of his glory. Their joy over one sinner repenting reflects the highest expression of joy. Why? Because it aligns with the divine purpose and the divine plan of God, who desires all to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. The angelic praises, praise, excuse me, the angelic course serves as a reminder of the transcendent nature of God's glory. It is the pinnacle of all thought, the pinnacle of all actions, that underlies everything that exists. The salvation of sinners is intrinsically connected to the glorification of God. The good news of salvation is not merely about individual de deliverance, but it's about encompassing a grander purpose, to see all come to the knowledge of the truth and to be saved. Through repentance and faith in Christ, sinners are reconciled to God. They're invited to join the angels, if you will, in glorifying him. Salvation brings us into a harmonious relationship with God where our lives become a testament of his love and of his grace and an example of the transformative power that we, that we have through him. As recipients of God's mercy, we are called to share the good news with others. The good news isn't just about his birth, but the good news is about that he lived a perfect life, that he went to the cross and he died for our sins and he rose on the third day and he seated at the right hand of the Father that we'll celebrate on Easter and hopefully we celebrate every day. That's the good news. That's what we're to proclaim. That's what we're to show. We have to tell people and we have to show people. God loves you. The world tells you he doesn't, but he does. The world tells you all kinds of things that are lies about you. But God knows you 
and he loves you. So this morning, if you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're not in being able to enjoy comfort and peace in your life, we invite you to come forward this morning. We're going to stand together to sing a song of decision. And as we sing that song of decision together, we give you the opportunity to confess Jesus as your Lord, to repent of your sins to him, to be baptized into Christ, for the scriptures tell us that your sins are washed away. You receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, and you rise and you walk in a newness of life. Your life will change, and you'll belong to God. So if you have a decision to make this morning, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing our song of decision. If you're an immersed believer and would like to make First Christian your home, we'd love to have you come forward this morning. And this morning, if you're struggling and you need prayer, if you come forward, I'd be glad to pray with you or one of our elders, Roger Wood. So as we sing this song of decision, if you have a decision to make, come forward. Oh, 
Christmas babe so tender, Lamb who bore our blame, how shall sinners render praises due your name? Do Advent, period of preparation for the celebration of the birth of Jesus, as well as the preparation for his second coming. Each of the four Sundays prior to Christmas has a specific theme. Last week, it was hope. Today, it is peace. Next week, joy. And then on Christmas Eve, it will be love. In each of these themes, we are reminded of what the coming of Christ means. It has brought hope for a better future in eternity if we believe in and follow Christ. It has brought peace to our souls to know that in the turmoil of our world, there is real peace in Christ no matter what happens. And what joy is ours in Christ Jesus. There's always joy in our hearts and our lives when we have something for which we can look forward. Oh, what we have to look forward. Certainly there is no greater expression of love than what we see on the cross of Calvary as Jesus willingly and lovingly gives his life for our redemption for the forgiveness of our sins, and for his example of what real love does for the object of that love. Each of the four weeks of Advent, we light a candle to express our remembrance and thanksgiving to Jesus for the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love that he gives to us. And then on Christmas Eve, we light the center candle, the Christ candle, to remind us of our Savior. God knows that we have good forgetters. And so he gives us reminders. Communion is one of those reminders. Almost every week we are told to remember, remember, remember as we come to the table of the Lord. And that's a good thing, to remember. To remember him and to reconsecrate ourselves to living for him and serving him. Not just on Sunday, but every day of the week. 
We sang a new, we just sang a new communion song. I know it was new to you, it was new to us this past Wednesday. Communion hymn for Christmas. A beautiful message that draws our attention to Jesus, his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection for us. For us. Think about it as you partake today. Lord God, we thank you for this special time of the year that we can truly remember in a special way Jesus, who he is, what he is, what he has done, and what he continues to do for us. As we thus partake of these emblems, may we be reminded once again of him, in whose name we pray, amen. On the inside of your bulletin, we have our announcements for this week. Elders and preachers are getting together at 3 o'clock today. Jerry has all of his groups today. Roger's group's meeting today at, at 6. Stitches of Love's taking place on Monday. Uh, we have a leadership team meeting on Tuesday. Uh, we don't have adult Bible study or teen study in the evening, but Lori's group is meeting. And um, the food pantry, we're in need of some non-perishable items. You can see that in your bulletin. And once again, want to announce that Kelly and Bill are getting married next sun- Saturday, the 16th at 2 p.m., Cake and punch are following, so I'm going to be there. Uh, So uh, everyone is invited, and you can read the announcement about Young at Heart's going to have their annual Christmas party on the 18th. It says to bring a wrapped gift at a value of less than $20 if you would like to participate in the gift exchange. 
those are a lot of fun. You see a lot of unchristian activity going on during that thing, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, Christmas, I've had a few people ask me about Christmas. We will have both services on Christmas. The only time we don't typically do that is when Christmas falls on Sunday because it's hard to get enough people sometimes to do what we need to do, so we have one service. But we will have both services on Christmas Eve, which is that Sunday, and on Sunday, Christmas Eve, um, at 6 p.m., we'll have our Christmas program. You've probably seen some of the, uh, the, seen the, uh, the uh, poster for that, and we'll have some printed ones around here. But, so mark your time and make sure you can come for that. You'll be here, less, should be here less than an hour, I believe. So, uh, Joy of Living Bible Study, the Lori uh, is offering is going to begin on January 17th. You see some notes about that. Also, if you use offering envelopes, uh, your envelopes are out there. Some of you will have a different number because we cut down the amount we have. So if you've had a different number, you've got a note in the box that says once Janu January hits, throw away all of your old offering envelopes. Don't keep using them because your numbers won't be right. Um, as a matter of fact, for all of you, it'd be a good thing. If you want to bring them to the church, we'll mark them out and use them for other things. But once January hits, use your new offering envelope boxes. Also, we have our, our uh, Core 52 books. If you attend this church, you can grab one for your family. Uh, if possible, if you can use one for both adults in the house, that's great. If you need a second one, that's okay, because I think we have enough. But please don't pick them up for everybody else in town, because uh, we don't have enough for that. And, but we'll give a link to people where you can buy those. But we're going to start that Jan uh, January 7th, and uh, 15 minutes a day, five days a week. You're going to learn a lot. You're going to fast-track your knowledge of Scripture. That's all the announcements that we have this morning. Oh, by the way, one other. At our annual meeting last week, all the candidates uh, were over, overwhelmingly elected to their positions, so that was really good. I believe that's all the announcements we had. So as far as prayers, uh, we have a, a, a prayer of praise from the men's pancake breakfast and everybody who came to that, and it was a, it was a lot of fun. We have a lot of special concerns that we're praying for that we want to continue to lift them up. We have people with health concerns. We've had some people that are kind of tripped up during this time of the year and falling some, and we're glad, we're glad that, yeah, don't say anything about that. Uh, we're glad that, I won't mention Donna's name, but we're glad that Donna's here. Uh, we have a lot of other people that are going through various health issues. We ask you to pray for them. Be in prayer for our troops. We have those listed in our bulletin that have ties to First Christian. Also, lift up a special prayer for Seth Baldwin. You saw the tenant, the uh, tornadoes that hit down by Fort Campbell. Uh, his, his house was directly hit. I was going to ask Don last night, what did he do to make God mad? But, but no, it was, they were very fortunate. They, they lost everything, but they weren't injured. So keep them in your prayers. And then a couple more were heading there yes, last night too. So I haven't heard any updates. I know some people lost their lives in that area. My understanding is Fort Campbell got hit pretty hard too. Uh, we have shut-ins that we're praying for. We lift up the outreaches that we're supporting. And we'll be praying for TCMI this month and the wonderful work that that organization does. Uh, keep them in your prayers. So at this time, let's stand together. And as the praise team comes forward, I'll give you an opportunity to lift your heart to the Lord, and then I'll close with a prayer, and the praise team will lead us in a song, uh, a closing song this morning. Let's go to the, together to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for all the prayers that have been lifted up to you this morning. We, we pray especially for those who were affected by the tornadoes in Tennessee. We know there's been some loss of life, Lord. We pray that all the other things 
that people lost, those can be replaced, but it's hard to replace a life, Father. Lord, I pray that as we live life this week, we live it to the fullest and that we show people the peace that we have. We live in a chaotic world, and that chaos isn't from God. So let's show people that we don't live in chaos, that we live in peace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you.